This is the recording in the chapel of the open book. It is number 37 and number 38 of a series of short studies for young people. And we have been giving the Gospel according to John some little survey. I say a little survey because uh, there's so much unexplored territory in this Gospel that I don't pretend to have touched. These studies are rather to stimulate the interest of the young people to give them a few pointers as to how to approach the Word of God and then let them get down to the book itself. That is, of course, necessary to true growth. What I want to do this afternoon in bringing this study to a conclusion is not so much to speak about Christ as the Saviour or the Giver of Life, which is the great feature of John's Gospel. As you remember, these things have been written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that you may have life through his name. But pulsating right through this Gospel is a strong emphasis upon one phase of service which I think even young people can contemplate and that is the word witness. You will notice that I've written on the board two words, marturia, well that's a Greek word in English letters, and the translation of it, literal translation, martyr. A martyr is not a person who suffers. A martyr is a witness who will suffer if needs be. There's many a person's a martyr that has never suffered at the stake, never been put on the rack. But God knows the heart. He knows whether you would go back or whether you'd endure. So the word martyr is our word witness. Now, when you speak about Christian service to young people, there's often a rejoinder, well, I'm not a clever speaker. I'm not very learned. You say, yes, I know, but I'm speaking about witness. Look, there was an accident that occurred just round in the Morgan. And there was one of those men that have a barrel load of bananas and oranges, and if you heard him speak, you'd hardly know what he was talking about. Because he was just using a lot of cockney slang. And he was a very educated man. Oh, he got letters after his name by the dozen, but he wasn't there. Well, who's the man then that can give a witness? Well, the uneducated man, who's ungrammatical, but he can say, I was there and I saw it. That's all. Now, in John's Gospel, we have this element. If you look at the opening chapters of Matthew, it says that it might be fulfilled that was spoken by the prophet, that it might be fulfilled, that it goes on over and over again. But you see, Matthew was written to those who had the Bible. Matthew was. But John wrote to the great outside world. He had to explain what the word Christ meant. He had to explain what the word rabbi meant. They didn't know these things. So it's no good going up to a person who doesn't know A from B in the Bible and quoting some yards out of Deuteronomy or Genesis. He says, so what? What's all this, you see? So how do we approach them? We approach them with testimony. And we've got a good illustration in John the ninth chapter. There was a man born blind. And in those days, that was terrible. He grew up a beggar. He had no education whatever. He just begged for his living as best he could. And then his eyes were opened by the Lord. And the leaders of the religious party, they badgered that man. And they said to him, this man's a sinner. You see, he cured the man on the Sabbath day. And this poor blind man whose eyes were opened, he couldn't argue with them. He'd got no theology. He wouldn't know what theology was, perhaps. 
When he said, whether he's a sinner or not, I can't tell, but one thing I know, whereas I was blind, now I see. That's witness. That's witness. He couldn't argue about the person of Christ. But he could say, well, you explain me. I remember in the eighth, in the 20th chapter of the Acts of the Apostles, when Paul was looking forward to his second ministry, when he was going to minister to the great outside Gentile world, he said, to testify the gospel of the grace of God, not to preach it. Oh, he did preach it. But he used the word to bear witness, to testify the gospel of the grace of God. As much as to say, even though he didn't quote a single line from the Bible, he could say, look at me, I was a Pharisee, and now I'm a converted preacher of the gospel that I once antagonized. That's witness. And so I thought it would be well for us to remember that feature. Now, in order to help you to see that this is important, there's only one occurrence in the Gospel according to Matthew of the verb to bear witness, martyrio. But there are 33 occurrences of that word in John's Gospel. You see the difference? 33. And if you look them up in the concordance, you'll have to be prepared to find that this word is translated witness, testify, record, testimony and bear record and bear witness. All those words. It varies a little bit, but it all mean that one thing, to stand up and witness and suffer for it if needs be. And do remember that those who were genuine witnesses in the New Testament did suffer for it. John the Baptist. He was a witness, says so. And he was beheaded. The Lord Jesus Christ is described as the faithful witness and he was crucified. Peter was one of those who should be witnesses unto me, said the Lord in Acts 1, and he was crucified. And Paul was a witness, and he was beheaded. I'm not saying that there's going to be the fate of every one of us here, but you see, it's no light thing to say you are a witness. It means that you bear a testimony, even if needs be, unto death. Come right in, that's right. Well now, it may be interesting for us to see that this witness is not um, confined even to men like John the Baptist. Would you notice that the Father and the Son and the Spirit and the Scriptures and the miracles are said in John's Gospel to bear witness? So we're in a good company, aren't we? Let's get those checked off first, shall we? John the fifth chapter and the twenty-second verse. Oh, I'm sorry, it's, um, I'll miss the, the verse for a moment. Interrupting, verse 37 was intended, I think. We'll, we'll go on in this fifth chapter, we shall come across the others presently. And the Lord says in verse 31, if I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. There is another that beareth witness of me, and I know that the witness which he witnessed of me is true. He sent unto John, and he bear witness unto the truth. You notice how the witness is coming. But you may have a little bit of a puzzle as to why our Saviour should say, if I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. His answer is given, I think, in the 8th chapter and the 14th verse, where he says, Though I bear record of myself, yet my record is true. Now you say, now this seems to be contradictory. Well, the Lord was remembering the law of Moses. 
that in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word should be established. So from one point of view, he conceded. He said, look, all right, I know that um, if I bear witness of myself, you may say to me, well, you're bearing witness of yourself. But he said, look, I've got the witness of John the Baptist. I've got the witness of the Father. I've got the witness of the works which he has um, uh, enabled me to do. So you, you will notice in, in chapter 5, 17, where he says, But Jesus answered them, My Father worketh hitherto, and I work. And he says that these works, verse 36, But I have a greater witness than that of John, for the works which the Father hath given me to finish, the same works that I do bear witness of me that the Father hath sent me. And so he goes on speaking about this witness. And we, we find in the, uh, in the first chapter, I think just one, uh, yes, the 45th verse, Philip findeth Nathaniel and saith unto him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. There is the reference to the scriptures that they bear witness, pointing to Christ. Well, now we have, as we uh, have discovered in the first epistle of John, this record. We read it. Uh, shall we look at the other ways in which this word is translated just to help us? We have in the uh, John 3, 22, um, just wait a minute, I seem to have slipped with some of my references. I think I've been overcrowding myself. Um, uh, no, no, I should have to let that bide a minute. But we'll come back presently. Uh, there's one word that you, you want to notice. The word is a report, which is the same word. So we'll, we'll we find that in the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 6, verse 3. Uh, wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. Report. So that's another word to add to your list. Uh, record, 1 John 5, and testify, Acts of the Apostles 20, and report, Acts 6 and 3. Well, now we have in... Um, Chapter, coming back to John's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 7, these words. Verse 6, there was a man sent from God, whose name was John. The same came for a witness. That is his distinctive character. He came as a witness, to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. And you remember that what is recorded of John in the first chapter is that he saw the Saviour coming to him, and he lifted his finger and he said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Verse 29. Uh, but John was also told uh, that um, if he was baptizing, verse 33, he said, I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto thee, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizeth with the Holy Ghost, and I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. So there's his witness. Now if you'll turn to chapter 5, 
Uh, we may have spoken about this before, but it may be that it's useful for somebody who missed it. It says in the series of witnesses about John the Baptist and so on, um, in verse 37, the Father himself which hath sent me hath borne witness of me. How did he bear witness of him? Ye have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his shape. Those words can be lifted out when you're having an argument about the invisibility of God. Something like that. But they fit here exactly. The Father's witness at the baptism of our Saviour at Jordan was that the voice came from heaven and John said, I saw the Spirit descending upon him like a dove. So he says, and in the shape like a dove. So he said, you haven't heard the voice, you haven't seen his shape, but John the Baptist did, and he convinced him, and he has borne record even unto death, that what he attested there was true. And so we have this emphasis upon witness. Will you look at Revelation chapter 1, and see that this title is not merely given to those who were subordinates, but it is lifted out as a great title of Christ. Revelation 1, 4 and 5. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto and peace from him which is, which was, and which is to come, from the seven spirits which are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness. Now I think if you notice in the um, messages to the churches, that one of them is called my faithful martyr. And that is exactly the same expression as the faithful witness. Christ is called a faithful witness and in one of the churches they, one of them is addressed as my faithful martyr. Showing you that the words are practically interchangeable. And then the Apostle Paul, as we read just now, we bore a witness to the Gospel, there's another aspect which we might notice in Acts 23. Acts 23. Now the Apostle Paul has been before a council. Uh, he's had a rather a severe handling. He was smitten on the mouth and for the moment even Paul flared up and said, Dost thou strike me, thou whited wall? And afterwards... In another chapter, he said, no, I ought not have said that, did I? But it's a great provocation. But here, in verse 11 of that 23, the night following the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so must thou bear witness. See, testify and bear witness, just the same, at Rome. And then chapter 22. He's now recounting the way in which he was chosen on the road to Damascus and says in verse 12, And one Ananias, a devout man according to the law, having a good report of all the Jews which dwelt there, good report, came unto me and stood and said unto me, Brother Saul, receive thy sight. And the same hour I looked up upon him. And he said, The God of our fathers hath chosen thee, that thou shouldest know his will and see that just one, and should hear the voice of his mouth. You notice? He should see and he should hear. Nothing to do with the gospel that he was going to preach, but just the sheer fact 
that his eyes were opened and his ears were unstopped, and he could see and hear. Well, now he says, For thou shalt be his witness unto all men of what thou hast seen and heard. So his great witness was that the Christ that he persecuted in the person of his believing people stopped him on the road to Damascus and responded to his cry, Who art thou, Lord? Here's a Pharisee, a Hebrew, looking up to heaven and speaking to the Lord. There was only one person that he was speaking to, that was the God of Israel. Who art thou, Lord, whom I am persecuting? I am Jesus. Paul says that testimony I was given, what I've seen and what I've heard. So you see, I'm saying to you, if you are young in the faith, if you are beginners, there are some things that you can bear a witness to very soon. You mustn't parade any knowledge. Uh, that is beyond us. We should not. Uh, if we are teachers, we should have ability to teach, as it says. Uh, but we can bear a witness. However faulty it may be, we can say, I know, like the blind man, one thing I know, whereas I was blind, now I see. Well, we'll make a pause for a moment. And then we'll pick up this question of teaching, witness and service from another aspect in John's Gospel to bring this series to a close.